Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course all of our great stations across the country, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. After a wild Sunday in the NFL, we saw a Hail Mary that resulted in a loss. We saw an amazing comeback by Seattle. The Giants had to come back against Arizona, which was kind of pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> and Sunday Night Football last night with the Dolphins over the Patriots. Morning. But let's not bury the lead, though. I mean, the teams that I played for went 3-0. and The Cowboys got a dub. Right. The Ravens got an impressive dub on the road. And then, of course, my New York Giants with one of the largest comebacks in franchise history. The Giants before yesterday were lost 150 consecutive games when trailing by 21 or more at any point. And they were able to come back. Now, I, I guess... Congratulations, should, I you guess, came back against a I guess, I guess we shouldn't need it, but that happened. <laughs> yeah. And looking at what's ahead for San Francisco, I feel like I got to enjoy our wins where we can get them. Are you doing this because Evans Patriots started 0-2? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate, Smalls, good teams win, great teams cover. Got and, it. and last night, the Miami Dolphins took care of business for not only the Miami Dolphins, but for us, too. For all Because of us. in the Pick'em Challenge, we had, we, had the Dolph- <laughs> we had the Dolphins lay in the three. We did. And the Dolphins came through. Now, I know Evan didn't want to get involved with that because that's his team. And I respect that level of fandom. But yeah, the reality too. is that... We needed the Dolphins to win yesterday, and they took care of business. Who needed them to win? We needed them to win. Well, you know what? To be fair, the teams that Smalls and I played for also didn't lose yesterday. Okay. There you go. <laughs> see, we benefit by not making it to the NFL. <laughs> I, I see that. See? I see that. That's how, that's how that works, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, when, you look, when you look through the Sunday games, there were obviously a lot of interesting ones. You know, you, by the way, the cover. How about the Rams? The Rams kicked that meaningless field goal yeah. just to have a push. They were down 10. The Niners were beating them. The Rams were like, let's kick a last-second field goal just to push. Talk about bad beats, brother. I mean, th- did Sean McVay have some money on the game? Did his family have some money on the game? That had to be the only explanation. Like, I mean, the NFL might need to open investigation on that one. That that was definitely suspect. Oh, if we're angry at the Rams, come on over. Come, oh, on, come over. on over. I'll scoot over. We can make room on this bandwagon. <laughs> well, we'll get into uh, all of the games, of course, from the weekend. The sportsmanlike and unsportsmanlike moments will sprinkle throughout the show as you'll get some interesting ones there. A college as well with Dion getting a win. But Sunday Night Football last night, Dolphins and the Patriots. Miami wins 24-17. There was a controversial final last play yet again for New England. They had a fourth down to try to potentially keep a drive going. They complete a pass from Mac Jones to Mike Gusecki, the tight end, the former Dolphins tight end. He is stopped before the first down, laterals it back to offensive lineman Cole Strange, 2022 first rounder, and he moves forward to try to get the first down. They initially do call it a first down, and then they went to the the review on that, and obviously... The knee was down. He was short. It was really close. Yeah. I did not think that that was short, (laughs) 
But it was really, really, really close. If you watch it on the TV side, on two and you, Gusecki gets it. He's then going backwards. Great lateral. Great catch, by the way, by Cole Strange, an offensive lineman. And they come up short. New England falls to 0-2. The first time since 2001, New England has dropped to 0-2. That year, they win the Super Bowl. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen (laughs) this year. What I am suggesting is that the Miami Dolphins last night won 24-17. They're 2-0 on the season. And I believe that New England did to them on defense what no other team is going to be able to do to them on defense all year strategically and schematically, and they still won the game. Yeah, well, that's just speaking to the brilliance of Mike McDaniels, their head coach, and some of the things that he likes to do. Because early on in that game, it was obvious Belichick wasn't going to let them beat them with the big play. Mm -hmm. They came out in a three-safety look, Smalls. Teams don't ever do that, come out with three deep safeties, and they allow the Dolphins' offense to chew up yardage between the 20s But once it got into the red zone, their philosophy was the speed is neutralized to some degree just because you don't have a lot of field space. But that didn't stop the Dolphins. What they did was creative. They used a lot of that expand motion where they line receivers up right at the edge of that offensive lineman, that tackle box, and then they sprint them directly toward the sideline. And it opens up a lot of opportunities because you put pressure on the defense, force those guys to communicate, and sometimes you'll end up getting – players lost in the sauce when it comes to matchup advantages for the Miami Dolphins skill players. So I just thought it was a master class by Mike McDaniel, some of the things that he did. The speed out to Tyreek Hill right there at the goal line is case in point with that. I mean, Braxton Barrios had a whip route that turned into a wheel route where Tua dropped it into the bucket. Those types of plays, I, I mean, even the Tyreek Hill one where he's sprinting straight to the sideline, then they run a tunnel switch screen to Jalen Waddle. Those are the types of innovative plays that separate the Miami Dolphins because you have a creative head coach and you have the fastest skill position core in the National Football League. That's why I think the Dolphins are the toughest offense to defend in the entire National Football League, even for a head coach that might be the best defensive game planner of all time in Bill Belichick. Yeah, the Dolphins proved yesterday that they can beat you in a bunch of different ways, right? This offense has a bunch of different complexities to it. Raheem Mostert, 121 total rushing yards. And and not only the offense, the defense for the Dolphins played really well yesterday. You have to start putting them in the conversation for one of the best teams in the NFL. Where did we find Andrew Ginkle? Like, where, where, yeah, like, I'll tell you where. Where, where did we find? Where did the we find? University of Wisconsin. Where did we find this guy? I mean, unbelievable. On Wisconsin, but He's unbelievable, right? I mean, Jalen Phillips is out. He gets banged up in week one, and Chris Collinsworth is on the broadcast talking about he might get Wally pipped because of what Andrew Van Ginkle did, and then Bradley <laughs> Chubb with the forced fumble on Douglas early on. I thought that was a huge play because that led to a touchdown for the Miami Dolphins. So again, we talked about it after week one when the Chargers hung 34 points on the Dolphins' defense, we said there aren't going to be too many Sundays where a Vic Fangio defense gives up that amount of points. And last night was an example of what this team can do when they have great game planning, great play calling, but then you have the pieces in place to go out there and execute and win their one-on-one matchups. I thought the Dolphins' defense had a chance at being elite coming into this season. Last night, they showed glimpses of moving in that direction. Well, and a few things. So, DeMario Pop Douglas, their rookie receiver out of Liberty, is what uh, Bradley Chubb had this great strip where he was was out of the play, then in the play. And the way that New England works is when you screw up, you're going to the bench. And he basically didn't play offense the rest of the game. He did on on the specials. There were two moments that were amazing, though, during the course of the game. One, 
Belichick on a challenge basically spiked a challenge flag. He basically Gronk spiked the challenge. He was so mad at the referee that he took the flag and slammed it to the ground as if he's Gronk spiking. Also, the Patriots somehow invented a way of blocking a field goal. They had Brennan Schooler, their special teams ace, um, not to the level of Matthew Slater, one day he'll be in the Hall of Fame, basically went in that motion. That was unbelievable, they, yeah. He went in motion, for those who did not see it, he was basically the wide guy on a field goal block, runs in motion, and then uses that as the head start to then block a field goal. It was unbelievable what they were able to pull off last night with that. And I know this is going to sound crazy. I'm in moral victory mode. I get it. But New England lost the first two games of the season. They never lose the first two games of the season, as I pointed out. But they lost the first two games of the season to two teams that, if you listen to Canty, could potentially be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So this is not like, oh, my God, the sky is falling down, right? Like, it's not It's not half Jay Sean style. It, it's just, it's not happening that way. They lose the Eagles by five. They lose the Dolphins by seven. Yes, both at home. But if I said to you right now, the Super Bowl this year would be Miami and Philadelphia. You ain't going to be surprised by that. No. So no. then I, I'm okay. I'm still okay. And there's no Aaron Rodgers. So, like, my whole theory that New England won't finish in last place, I'm still alive on that. No, you can, you, you can be okay, and that's all well and good. But when are the Patriots going to get their first win? Is it going to happen this weekend in New York? I mean, it's not a bad place to start after what we saw with Zach Wilson yesterday with three I, interceptions. I'm just saying, looking ahead at what their schedule is, I mean, you're on the road against the Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, Vegas Raiders, and Buffalo Bills after this one. So it feels like you better get your wins where you can get them if you're Bill Belichick. Yes, I know coming I into this year, we were having the conversation about this team, and if they continue to lose – how long would it be before Robert Kraft decided mm-hmm. that it's probably in the best interest of the franchise to move on? Now, nobody's suggesting that Belichick is going to get fired during the season. What I am saying, though, is if you listen to what Robert Kraft had to say throughout the offseason into training camp, there's pressure on Bill Belichick and Mac Jones to win. They're not going to let individual players trace individual accolades. And he said it's no different for our head coach chasing Don Shula for the all-time win record. So if they don't get this thing turned around in short order, the AFC East and the AFC as a whole is going to pass them by. And then ultimately that puts the future of Bill Belichick in doubt. 0-2 to start the season, as you mentioned, for the first time since 2001. Even though the Patriots, I would say, played better than many people expected in those two games, yeah. you still are starting the season with two losses for the first time since 2001. Bill Belichick is in a prison of expectations of his own making because he's had such unprecedented success. Yeah. There is no room for him to have a consistent dip in production. And it it's tough for somebody who is obviously one of the best to ever do it. But I'm with Canty. I'm just wondering if the Patriots continue to go down this road where they're playing tough but they're not collecting the wins what's that conversation around Bill Belichick like I'm with Canty too I don't think he's going to be fired during the season but that conversation is going to be percolating and here's the thing we give Mac Jones all of his praise for not looking as bad as he did last year that was a relatively low bar to clear but their offense had less than 300 total yards of offense they averaged 4.1 yards of play that is pedestrian by NFL standards so at some point Whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the offensive play caller, if it's the head coach, if it's the GM with the personnel, somebody has to be the reason to blame, the reason why that team offensively can't match what they are defensively. And it's been years they've been trying to get there, and they just haven't been able to do it. So I could either give facts that come off like an excuse, or you'll say that's a fact. So I don't know how this is going to go. 
Last week, they were without their two starting guards and their starting right tackle. This week, they were without their two starting tackles. So, I mean, I'm just just throwing that out there a little bit on offense. Like, that, those are facts. And they also could be deemed an excuse. Just throw that out there. <laughs> they could well. be deemed an excuse. I'm just it saying, they are technically facts. But here's the thing. Are those facts good enough to save his job? Because it's been trending in this direction for years. So th- these facts that we're talking about from a week-by-week basis don't cover up the body of work that we've seen over the last three or four years mm-hmm. post-Tom Brady. They just don't. I mean, they were in the playoffs two years ago, but I get it. And they would have. And made- they got smoked by the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it wasn't even, the Bills didn't even punt. <laughs> they didn't even punt. Well, after you had that, that, that that's, Monday, that's that what Monday we're going to hold game. up. They were in the playoffs. That Monday night game a few weeks prior was the most unbelievable game plan ever, where they ran the ball, what, 46 of 49 times? Something like that. Something crazy like that. Oh, God, I love that game plan. Because nobody could throw it. (laughs) Well, whatever it is, however you're going to win. But give the Dolphins credit. I'm telling you, I think there's a chance that last night's Dolphins offense is the worst that they will look all year, and they still won the game. That's how good Mike McDaniel is. He's one of the most innovative play callers. I'm going to say this. I think he's one of the most innovative play callers we've ever seen in the NFL. There's no question. I mean, they used motion last night 88% of the snaps. They had play action 25% of the snaps. And and Smalls pointed it out. The Raheem Mostert of it all is, is the thing that you're not expecting. Mm-hmm. Because when you're paying attention to all of these shifts, all of these motions, trying to communicate the different coverages, who's responsible for who, they're gashing you right down the middle. They're gashing you with outside zone. And I thought that creativity, that I guess versatility, variation, mm-hmm. makes it really, really tough to game plan for them week in and week out, which is why I think the Miami Dolphins are the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, with the way they looked the last couple of games of the season and the fact that Tua is 5-0 and against Belichick, it's a remarkable, remarkable thing. All right, coming up, this is Kenny saying this, not me. Russ kind of cooked, maybe? <laughs> we'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Series XM8, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app, and all of our great ESPN stations all across the country, along with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. We saw a Hail Mary yesterday, completed by Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, but then did not convert a two-point conversion, which should have been defensive pass interference, at least in my mind. Here we go. Denver is 0-2 on the season. They lose 35-33. They were down 20. The, the Washington Commanders were down 21-3 in this game. Came back, give all the credit in the world to Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy calling those plays, and a Hail Mary late. 
remarkable, and it should have been a pass interference. Mm-hmm. There's no argument against it. He was all over him. Should have been a pass interference. And it's funny, on the broadcast, they were saying, well, it doesn't look like Hail Mary formation here. They were thinking maybe it was a little hook and ladder action. And, yeah, well, they got a Hail Mary. It went off of multiple guys into the hands of Johnson, and <sighs> boom. I get, I, get so, I get so frustrated with Evan because he comes up with more <laughs> excuses than a brother going to jail. I don't understand why you want to continue to cave for Russell Wilson. The fact that him? they the fact that they needed the hail mary and the fact that they needed that two point conversion is an indictment on the quarterback. Their defense is terrible too. Well, you though, say to their defense is terrible. Well, let's break it down. After going up twenty one to three, your offensive possessions go as follow: fumble, punt, punt, pick, field goal, punt. Field goal and in the Hail Mary. Let's talk about the penultimate drive that the Broncos had. Second and four, inside the five, you're talking about them having a wide open opportunity to complete a pass to Adam Troutman, their tight end, and Russell Wilson just misses the throw. I mean, he just misses it. Troutman is wide open by any measure, by any standard. It was college football wide open, and Russell Wilson missed the throw. You're talking about the ball traveling less than seven yards in the air, and you can't complete it under those circumstances? If you complete that pass, then all of a sudden, you don't need a Hail Mary. All of a sudden, we're just talking about a field goal and an opportunity to get to overtime. But no, Russell Wilson showed you at the most inopportune time, he's going to make mistakes. At the most inopportune time, he's going to collapse. When you look at that drive chart in the second half, it is absolutely abysmal. They shouldn't have been in that position because your offense should have been able to give you more production. So we can pin this on the defense all we want. I'm not trying to absolve them, but when your offense is as bad as the Broncos' offense was, especially in that second half, it's hard for the defense to continue to hold up. But to be fair, right, all of that can be factual. So if we want to do once they got up 21-3, if we want to use that as the line of demarcation there. Right, okay, so the Washington offense, punt, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, missed field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt. I mean, that's that's pretty damn good on offense, too. That was an entire team collapse. So I'm not absolving Russell Wilson and the offense. I'm just saying the defense fell apart also. Yeah, uh, the defense fell apart, but we want to sit here and, and come up with excuses as to why Russell Wilson couldn't get the win, where Russell Wilson is a part of why they ended up collapsing in the first place and losing that ball game. And now they're staring at 0-2. I, I, just, I don't understand why it's going to continue to take us more evidence, more of a body of work before we realize that Russell Wilson is just not the same quarterback that he was in the 2010s when he was winning championships or competing for championships with the Seattle Seahawks. It has not been the same in Denver, and now we're talking about across two different coaches. What's the common denominator? It's Russell Wilson. The Broncos' defense, by and large, over the last several years has been a good defense. Mm -hmm. It's been the offense that's the question mark. Russell Wilson was supposed to fix that. Now, in fairness... They did score 33 points. I will give them that. But in 17 starts for Russell Wilson, you're talking about this offense scoring north of 16 six times. That just ain't good enough. And yesterday wasn't good enough to get a win. Russell Wilson has to be the reason why this team can get past some of these close ball games and get out of there with a win. Yesterday, he was not. The way we evaluate Russ is interesting so far this season because – 
what we saw has been better than what we saw at times last year, but it's still not good enough. I, I find myself wondering what my evaluation points are going to be with Russ. Like last week, it certainly wasn't enough, but we're like, oh, no turnovers. That's a step in the right direction. When we're talking about this game, oh, a lot's on the defense. They let the commanders go on a 32-3 to scoring run. Oh, Russell Wilson kind of cooked. I don't think that we should be giving those prefaces when it comes to a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl and who – openly campaigned for an MVP who had been one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. He has to be better. Yeah, well, he does. I understand that. But, like, I think he's significantly better this year, obviously, than he was last that year. That is the lowest of b- right, low bars but he is, to clear. he is better. At least there's progress. Let's listen to what his head coach, Sean Payton, had to say post game. You mentioned the communication was slow in the second half, specifically that second-to-last drive. What, what was going on? Well, there? It was more How than just was one it? drive. There was a number of drives, you know, where we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean, that's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. We got to be better, and uh, I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with with getting it, getting the play out, and then we got to look at how much we have in. But um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. Yeah, if we need to wristband it, we will. Is an interesting comment at the end because that's basically saying he doesn't know the offense in full. Which is an interesting one, that he can't just do it on the fly. Like, you know, we, we talked about the Patriots and the Dolphins. One thing about Matt Jones, Matt Jones calling all the plays in the second half, basically at the line of scrimmage and, and running hurry up, which was just to tire out the defense. It wasn't necessarily that they had such great personnel rocking there, but they were just trying to tire out the defense. In this case, you know, working off your wristband means he has to look down when Sean Payton is in his ear. That is definitely concerning. That, that part of it is more concerning than anything else. Now, separate than all of it, right? Set, leave Russ... Opinions are out there with Russ. Period. Next sentence. That should have been a defensive pass interference in that two-point conversion. Cece, you can laugh. You can separate. you got to separate the two. That was a defensive pass interference that was not called. Why not call it if you're the ref? Because then you're just giving them another chance anyway. It's not like the game's going to be I, lost I'm not there. arguing that it was a questionable no call by the refs. On but, the two-point, just to be on clear. On the two-point conversion. Yeah. But here's the thing. As a former player, you understand you don't leave it up to the refs. You don't For put sure. yourself in those yeah. situations where you leave it up to the refs. And when you're up 21-3, to 3, it shouldn't come down to that. Again, the second-to-last drive that the Broncos had, Russell Wilson has got Adam Troutman ride open on a slant route, an in-breaking route. You've got to make that completion 10 times out of 10 in the National Football League. And the fact that he missed it is what set them up for a situation where they had to have a Hail Mary attempt. And I, I can't believe that the Washington Commanders were so bad in that situation yeah. because you practice Hail Mary at the end of every single practice. But, yeah, I mean, you got the luck that you needed, and then you didn't execute when it came to the two-point conversion, something that offenses do every single day in practice. you got to have the two-point play that you really, really need, the, really, the one you have a ton of confidence in, and yesterday they didn't execute it. That, I was surprised after they got the Hail Mary that it ended the way that it did. Now, again, the DPI, the no-call, that is what it is, but – it shouldn't have come down to that yes. one play. If you're up 21-3 at home with a guy that I think is a Hall of Fame qu- uh, quarterback in Russell Wilson, I agree with you. But again, we could separate the two. That was an awful no call. He mauled him. We just watched it on the TV side on 2 and U. He was all over him on that two-point conversion, and they should have had another opportunity there. I think that's pretty damn clear that they, they ab- absolutely should not have put themselves in that position. But once they're there... There, there is no excuse for the ref to not see that. You're, it's a two-yard two window you're watching. It's not like, oh, we missed something downfield or in the trenches there. It is a two-point conversion. Absolutely, absolutely no doubt should have been called, and it wasn't. 
yesterday. All right, coming up, we got a lot more to get to. Justin Fields and the Bears struggling big time. Yeah. I mean, that is a major, major, major story. Tom Waddle, ESPN 1000, is going to join us later to talk about that in Chicago because the Chicago Bears at 0-2 right now, they've lost, I believe, 12 straight games dating back to last year. We don't think about that. They have lost 12 straight games. They haven't won in forever. So we will get to that coming up. Plus, Canny's observations. What did he see this weekend upon further review? Coming up next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. He still reeks of chicken wings and mayonnaise after a long NFL Sunday. Hey, they do chicken wings. I love chicken wings. The man, does he have some thoughts? This is Upon Further Review with Chris Canty. Ah, uh, yes. You're going to bring us back in, Evan, before I get to it? I think you just did. <laughs> I think I just did? I just get excited because this is my segment. I'm fired up about it. Week two in the NFL, almost in the books. We got the two Monday night games tonight, but... That's a hell of a observations from week two, man. Did that did that voiceover guy just say chicken wings and mayonnaise? It, it yeah. sounded like it, yeah. It like, like together? It. They they don't belong together though. No. Chicken they, wings and, and blue cheese, yes. Small shakes her head every time we bring up blue cheese versus ranch. Ranch is obviously the superior option. If we put a poll up on that, I guarantee a blue cheese. Go ahead, on throw that. it up there. I'll do it. But Cece, go ahead. Observations. All right, let's get it going with my week two. NFL observations. Number five. There we go. I was waiting for the sounder. Guys, are we sure that Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Chargers, wasn't the problem with the Dallas Cowboys the last couple of years? I'm just putting it out there because Mike McCarthy put on a master class yesterday when it comes to being able to script plays, sequence plays, and put his team in the best position to have success. That's a really good Jets defense that they were up against yesterday, a defense that forced four turnovers against Josh Allen and company. And the Dallas Cowboys offense had no problems being able to get up and down the field. Yesterday, four scoring drives of 70 yards or more on the season. They have eight 
scoring drives of 60 yards or more. It's incredible what they were able to do, and especially being able to get the ball to their playmakers. Last night, CeeDee Lamb had a day, 11 catches for 143 yards, but then they were able to mix in 44 rush attempts for 134 yards. Evan, I say this all the time, it's rushes plus completions. If that number is over 50, you're doing something right. Yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys, 75 rushes plus completions. 75. Wow. Unbelievable what Mike McCarthy was able to do. 70 to 10 total score so far for the Dallas Cowboys this season against their opponents. They're winning 70 to 10. Yes, give Mike McCarthy credit. Mike McCarthy is a way better coach than people realize. Go look up Mike McCarthy versus Sean Payton. Somebody can find an old tweet of mine on this. I've done this for years at Evco Radio. It's ridiculous that Sean Payton gets all the credit and Mike McCarthy gets all blame. Let's go, Mike McCarthy. Also, Dak, back-to-back games without an interception. We've seen Mike McCarthy do it with Brett Favre. He did it with Aaron Rodgers. He's doing it with Dak. Let's give uh, our flowers to Mike McCarthy because he certainly takes a lot of heat when deserved, but he deserves the flowers today, CeCe. There we go. We're going to give him the flowers today, but I'm still waiting on that other shooter (laughs) drop for the Dallas Cowboys. Keeping it moving. Number four. Russell Wilson, third-best quarterback in the state of Colorado over the weekend between (laughs) college and pro football. (laughs) What I say? What I say? <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> no, listen. On the field yesterday at Mile High, Russell Wilson was clearly the second best quarterback. Sam Howell had a day. Now, Russ and Sean Payton, I told you that this was an interesting blend of styles because Russ wants to be much more off script. Sean wants his quarterback to play on script, getting the ball out on time. Got some numbers for you here. Russell Wilson, with less than three seconds from snap to throw, had 88 yards on 66% completion percentage, but completion percentage above expected was minus 13%, and he had a QBR of 45, a touchdown and a pick. Russell Wilson with three seconds or more to throw, 10 of 19, 3.2% completion percentage above expected, 220 yards and two touchdowns. What does that tell me? Russell Wilson is a lot better playing off script than playing on schedule. That's not going to work out in Sean Payton's offense long term. So even though they were able to put up 33 points yesterday – In a losing effort, I think that's more of the outlier as opposed to what we can come to expect moving forward. Guys, I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. Russell Wilson cooked in Denver this season. Yeah, I think the let Russ cook is more of an X's and O's comment than it is just a saying. Because let Russ cook basically means let him improvise. And he's better when he goes deep ball improvisation. And that happened in the first half, did not happen in the second half. They were good in each of the first two first halves of the season. Problem is, once halftime adjustments happened, they were not good. But that's also a reflection on Peyton. What are we cooking? It seems like we're microwaving. You know what I mean? It seems like we're just reheating stuff. We're not throwing together a gourmet meal. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be the one that's cooking the meal much longer because Jared Stidham is waiting in the wings, and he's a guy that has shown the ability to play on schedule. Yeah, not as talented as Russell Wilson, but – I don't know if that's what Sean Payton is looking for. I think Sean wants somebody that can be more consistent, somebody that he can rely on to make the layups, and we know that that's not something that Russell Wilson thrives at, and so that's why I'm concerned about Russell Wilson and what this offense is going to look like moving forward if you still continue to have this clash of styles between head coach and quarterback. Keeping it moving. Number three. Number three, the Dolphins are currently the team to beat in the AFC. Now, guys, I know what I'm saying, but if you look at what that offense is, it's the best offense in the National Football League when Tua is healthy, and Tua has shown the ability to be able to anticipate and read out the progression better than any quarterback in the NFL. And the thing that surprised me about him, 
Going up against a Bill Belichick coach defense, the fact that he was able to get the ball out of his hands so quickly. Now, a product of that is Sean, I mean, not Sean, but Mike McDaniel being able to scheme up the X's and O's. But Tua does a masterful job of being able to execute, being able to throw the ball with touch when he has to, being able to zip it in there in tight windows when he has to. And right now, this guy is firmly in the MVP conversation. But the thing that makes them the team to beat in the AFC is that once this team gets a lead, this defense can rush the passer and close out games. Plus, you had the two turnovers by that side of the ball yesterday. I think that's going to be a formula for success for this Miami Dolphins team this season. Yeah, I was more impressed with the Miami defense than I was the offense yesterday, which says something because the Dolphins proved that they can beat you in a variety of ways. But you mentioned the two t- turnovers. They pressured Mac Jones 20 times, four sacks yesterday. The Dolphins are as you said, the team to beat in the AFC right now, which is so funny to me because we knew they would be good if Tua could stay healthy, but we still need, most people didn't even have the Dolphins winning that division. And here we are talking about them being the like potentially the Super Bowl favorite coming out of the AFC. All right, I'm going to put you in one game in a Super Bowl. All they're doing is calling plays. They're not head coach. They're not worrying about special teams. They're not worrying about defense. You could have Mike McDaniel, Josh McDaniels, or Andy Reid. One guy just calling Ooh. plays. It's his only job for the game. It's just calling plays. Offenses are equal across the board. Who do you want calling your plays? I, I can't say it's not Mike McDaniel. I, 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 I literally cannot say it's not Mike McDaniel. I mean, Andy Reid has had the success. He's had the track record. But remember, Andy Reid, for the first part of his career, the first half of his career in Philadelphia, was the coach that couldn't win the big game. And then he finally got over the hump when he got a quarterback. I'm just simply pointing out, Mike McDaniel's career arc, his career trajectory, could be moving that way. We could be in short order talking about him being the best play caller in the National Football I should throw League. Kyle Shanahan in there as well. But, yeah, he's awesome. Go ahead. All right. Keeping it moving. Number two. Brandon Staley will be fired before the end of the season. Now, I don't feel like I'm breaking news with this one. No. But, I mean, when you look at what this team has done over the past two years, you're talking about them having the most blown double-digit leads in the National Football League. So when they're up by 10 points or more, they have the most blown leads. And yesterday, you saw it again. It is is an extension of what we saw in the wild-card game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I don't give a damn what Brandon Staley says in the post-game press conference about how last year is not bleeding into this year. But I've said it before, Evan. Confidence comes from demonstrated performance. Well, the opposite is true, too. If you go out there and prove that you can blow leads against quality opponents – then that's something that, from a psychology standpoint, seeps into your locker room, and it becomes harder exponentially to win close ball games. That's where the Chargers find themselves right now. I need to understand who the connector is with the Chargers. What I mean by that is, like, the Patriots for 20 years is Belichick and Brady. The Spurs, Popovich and Duncan. Smalls is Cardinals, Yadier Molina. Who's the connector that connects all the horrible losses that Phillip Rivers had to now? Is there one person that's been there the entire time outside of ownership? Because as a franchise, there's nobody that has worse losses than the Chargers. Every year, regardless of who's on the team, awful losses. But when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you don't have time to continue that trend. You have to make sure that you're capitalizing on that on the time that you have with Justin Herbert. And he just got paid like... A franchise quarterback, so you better be putting up some wins. I I would not be surprised if we see Staley get fired during the season. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And last but not least, number one. Number one. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, I said it. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to miss the playoffs. Since we had division realignment in 2002, there have been seven teams that have started off 0-2 on the season and 0-2 in their division. Six of those teams missed the playoffs. 
the 2023 Cincinnati Bengals are going to be the one that completed and rounded out and make it 100%, make it seven teams. I, I just don't see this team being able to get it together. Joe Burrow talked about his calf getting tweaked at the end of that ball game, and Joe Burrow just hasn't been very good this season when it comes to throwing the ball down the field, and that's what this team has become known for. I mean, last year on throws of 15 air yards or more, Joe Burrow had a QBR of 89.5, 11 touchdowns to three interceptions. This season, not so great. 0 for 11 on such throws, Joe Burrow, and we're talking about this dude uh, having one interception and a QBR of .7. .7! So it's just him being able to throw the ball down the field is a big part of why this offense and why this team has been able to have success over the past couple of years and get to -to back-to-back conference championship games. It just doesn't seem like they're finding their rhythm. That could be because he missed a lot of training camp, but Joe Burrow's always missed a lot of training camp, and it doesn't seem to matter. I feel like this is the year where it catches up to him, especially with what the Ravens are doing and what the Browns are doing. Well, and also, I'll tell you, the coaching staff didn't help him. Now, this may have been because of injury. Zero snaps under center yesterday. Was that a shotgun the entire game? Right, and I, th- I, I personally well, like probably, a balance. He's probably out of shotgun because of that calf injury. Because of the calf, right. Yeah. So, and by the way, we talk about the Chargers. You presented a problem with Brandon Staley, right, that he's the problem, and I agree. Let me provide a solution. L.A., big market but irrelevant team. Offensive firepower. Everybody's waiting to kind of show up there, but nobody shows up. Hire Dion. That's the job for Dion freaking Sanders. Ooh. Hire Dion Sanders, LA Chargers. CC presented the problem of Brandon Staley. Deion Sanders, L.A. Chargers. You're already getting all the celebrities in there anyway to Colorado. Imagine if that guy shows up to, let's be honest, there are no irrelevant football teams in the NFL, but close to irrelevant, the L.A. Chargers. You hire Deion Sanders in Los Angeles? Look out. Did the Giants have buyer's remorse? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. You can listen to us on Sirius XM Channel 80, all of our great stations across the country, as well as ESPN2, ESPNU, and the ESPN app. 
Are Giants fans actually going to celebrate this yesterday? They started the season down 60 to nothing. <laughs> Think about that. They started the season down 60 to nothing, losing 40 zip to the Cowboys, then down 20 zip to the Arizona Cardinals, and then having to have that largest comeback ever for the Giants, or at least tied for 28-7 in the third quarter. They win the game, but Saquon Barkley gets hurt, ankle injury, short week. They're staying on the West Coast Ooh. against the Niners. Regardless of what you think the outcome of the injury is going to be, and we're not doctors, so we're not reporting on that. It seems almost un- you know, illogical to think that he could play this weekend or this week, the Thursday night game against San Francisco. But, okay, the Giants came back. Okay, the Giants are 1-1. One and one, But they had to come back against a team that we all have deemed to be tanking this year. And Arizona almost beat them. That was, sure, take the win. But, man, oh, man, that was ugly yesterday. Yeah, it was ugly. But you got to take your wins where you can get them. And it's hard to earn wins in the National Football League. Let's not make it out like Arizona doesn't play hard. They gave the Washington Commanders all they wanted in week one. And I said that this was a sneaky big game for the Giants and that the Commanders weren't going to roll over. Now, it felt like Jonathan Gannon called the cold red in the second half because they realized that they still want to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. <laughs> so we want to make sure that we're competitive. Wait, we're, win- we're winning. Yeah. That's not good. No, it's not good. Change it to Omaha. We, Omaha. Let's show that we're competitive enough <laughs> and we're a quarterback away, but don't win the damn game. We have audio of the um, Jonathan Gannon and, and Dobbs conversation. All right, listen, Joshua, you know, we're winning. That's not the goal here, okay? <laughs> Our, we are trying to win to replace you. Do you understand that? <laughs> I've given you this opportunity to screw up, not to perform well. How dare you do well? <laughs> that was the, that's so halftime. Like, that, that was live audio from the halftime. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. From that's the right. It's amazing we got that clear. Yeah, yeah, no, An unsportsmanlike <laughs> exclusive. But you know what? We got to give credit where credit is due. Because I've been hard on Daniel Jones, especially after that week one fiasco against the Dallas Cowboys. And all the guy does is come out in the second half and lead four touchdown drives of 64 yards or more. And in the second half, Daniel Jones was 17 of 21 passing for 259 yards and two touchdowns. But he also added eight rushes for 58 yards and another touchdown. So that's pretty good quarterback play. And that's what you're looking for from him. Find a way to be able to elevate the play of others. Had the big completion to Jalen Hyatt downfield. I think it was for 58 yards. Had mm-hmm. another big completion to Darren Waller downfield. So, I mean, when you have those opportunities um, to push the ball down the field, you absolutely have to take advantage of them. But you also have to make the routine plays to keep your team on schedule offensively and being able to sustain drives by getting first down. I think Daniel did a great job of that with not only his arm, but with his legs. And that's what allowed the Giants to be able to complete that comeback. Yeah, for a team that is quote-unquote tanking, the Arizona Cardinals have certainly been a tough out the first two weeks, right? They've been playing much better than I think a lot of people expected. But whether it took um, Daniel Jones and the Giants snapping after realizing that they had been outscored 60 to nothing to start the season, whatever it was that came over them where they said this isn't going to happen anymore, give them credit because 358 yards of total offense in the second half after just 81 in the first Going on to win that game was surprising to me. I didn't think that they were going to be able to turn it around. So credit to the Giants for for being able to mount a comeback like that and Daniel Jones for leading the charge. But if we're keeping it a buck, though, it was a got-to-have-it situation because when you look at the Giants' upcoming schedule, we talked about it. Having San Francisco short week, likely going to be without Saquon Barkley the way that things went down. We're not doctors, but it didn't look good with him having to be helped off the field and then slamming his helmet when he was on the bench talking to the doctors. So it's hard to believe that he's going to be out there uh, on Thursday night, and even if he is, he's going to be physically compromised. But after the San Francisco 49ers, 
You got a date with the Seattle Seahawks, another offense that can score a lot of points. Then you're on the road against the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and then you're back home against the Washington Commanders. This is going to be a gauntlet of a schedule for the New York Giants. And if you're struggling with the Arizona Cardinals and it's taking a last-minute field goal in order to get that win, I just don't know that this is going to be the season that a lot of Giants fans envisioned after what we saw last year with them making a run to the divisional round. Yeah, it was an amazing comeback for them yesterday, excuse me, but there's still obviously some deficiencies in this offense. And if you remove Saquon Barkley from the equation, I, I can't imagine you feel too positively this morning if you're a Giants fan. What are we doing? This is week two for a team that was in the playoffs last year. They had to have a season-saving second half in week two. Think about that. Against the Arizona Cardinals, at least with my team in New England, I played two teams. Well, I didn't play, but they played two teams that could be in the Super Bowl this year. Are you serious, CC? You're going to sit here and celebrate that comeback? You're playing against Caleb Williams and he ain't there yet. This is week two. You had a season-saving second half in week Numero dos. All I'm simply saying is the quarterback we saw in the second half is a quarterback that can live up to the $40 million a year contract that the Giants gave him. Now, do I anticipate that that's going to be the Daniel Jones that we see on Thursday night? Hell no, (laughs) especially against that 49ers defense. But unless and until this guy can consistently produce those types of games, then it's going to feel like a situation where the Giants are going to end up with buyer's remorse. They're going to feel like we paid this guy and we're not going to get the level of quarterback play that's representative of the contract that he was given. $82 million guaranteed over the next two years? I mean, for your team to need a performance like he showed in the second half – is somewhat of an indictment on the quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that everything around him is perfect because the offensive line is porous and the defense was giving up some scrambles to Josh Dobbs, but the New York Giants have to find a way to be more consistent, and it starts with the quarterback being more consistent. I'm not teasing the Jets. I'm teasing the Cowboys are really good. We'll get to that next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.